0: Welcome to the Elevate Your Running Podcast with Sarah Manderscheid and myself, Austin Myers. We are here to talk about all things running and life to elevate you not only in training, but also in your personal journey and relationships. We believe in the power of running and the ways in which we are stronger through our commitment. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to stay up to date on all future episodes and leave a review through the platform in which you are listening. Your support helps us to continue to build a community of like-minded people who strive to elevate their body, mind, and spirit through running. We hope you enjoy the episode.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode 19. It feels so fun to say episode 19. We're going to talk all about why you need to start training today and what that looks like. Um, My name is Sarah Manderscheid. I am your co-host with Austin Myers, and uh, we're just really excited to share all things about training today. Austin, how are you doing?
0: Sarah, I'm feeling strong. It's race week. Um, and I, you know, let's just transition into the elevated moments right now. I say I'm feeling strong because today, as we're in the second week of taper now, I'm finally feeling strong. I feel like <laughs> I was working through, I was working through a lot of fatigue that first week of taper, which I think is an extremely normal response. Um, but today, on my run, um, doing some some marathon pace short intervals, um, I finally felt good. And, you know, I'm sure that'll continue to be a process that takes place throughout this week, but, um, I'm feeling pretty good and I'm really excited for race day here at the end of this week.
1: Yay. I love that so much. We had a race strategy call yesterday and we talked about how heavy your legs have been feeling, just how tired you've been. And I think, you know, as a coach, I feel like that's a good sign. It's like the tapers working, right? As long as we can yeah. get you feeling, you know, a hundred percent by Sunday, by race day, I'm aligned with that. And it's really good to hear that. um, on this Tuesday, you're feeling great, um, leading into the race, which is about five days away.
0: Yep. Yeah. We're feeling good. And the race strategy call may, may have played into that a little bit, just the mental side of it. Um, getting to talk with you about our strategy, about our approach, the process goals, the outcome goals, Um, And then, you know, reading over those those notes that you took before um, before my run this morning, that all definitely played into it, got me pretty energized. Um, And that's an experience that I did not have my first race. Um, I think I, I mentioned this on the podcast a few episodes, like I went to that first marathon as so many of us do. And honestly, I think it's a great thing to do is. You just go in and you you see what you can do, and you don't think too much about it. But um, to for us to be able to have that discussion yesterday, to be able to frame the strategy in such a specific way, um, it's something that I'm really excited about because I feel like it's going to help produce a great result.
1: I do too. It was a great conversation, and you know we established your ABC and gratitude goals. Um, for race day. And I think that was really fun too, because your A goal um, feels like it's going to be, it's really exciting, right? But it's also a little nervous or, you know, it's a little, it's a little bit out there, totally in your wheelhouse. That's why it's an A goal. Um, But we also talked through why that time is achievable, right? We talked about all the pros that are in the pro column, um, things that are different that are working in your favor since your last training cycle, right? You are using a coach, you have another marathon or you have a marathon under your belt. You know that you can run 26.2 miles. This course is an awesome course to achieve your A goal. You have some amazing ratios. Um, I know the talent is there. We've highlighted some really great workouts and long runs that have demonstrated that. Um, And you also run pretty well in humidity, which is a great thing um, if it's humid on Sunday.
0: Yeah. And, you know, something that we've mentioned a lot in our discussions together is that none of this would have been, you know, possible as far as setting such an audacious a goal if the consistent work hasn't been done really dating back to um last July or August when I began my training for my first marathon Um, and we'll get more into that as the episode goes on but before we do Sarah I'd like to hear your elevated moment and then we will get into our topic of the day
1: absolutely yeah I think my or I know my elevated moment for the week is just um an incredible inbound um, of prospective athletes reaching out to work with us for fall racing, which has been absolutely incredible. Um, it's, you know, as a coach, it always feels good when people are coming to you saying they've heard good things about you, you've been referred, um, People are finding you online or finding us online. Um, So it's really, really, really exciting. It's making a busy week even busier or a busy few weeks even busier, but it's all good, right? It's like, it's very, very easy to fall into that, uh, into that mindset of I'm too busy. I have too many things going on. It's like, well, hold on. You can pause, assess maybe release some things that are no longer serving you as a person or as a business owner. Um, And when I say you, I'm talking to myself right now (laughs) and, you know, realigning and getting back on track and then also shifting the mindset to say, Hey, this is actually a really great problem to have. This is an exciting opportunity for the team, for the coaching staff and for the other athletes too. I think it's always fun when other athletes know, um, that there's more, um, athletes joining the team, whether they're in Denver or Boulder, we've added some, um, we've added new athletes in Minnesota. So we have another Minnesotan athlete, which is awesome. I definitely have a niche in Minnesota (laughs) and, uh, Michigan too, which is great. And, um, some local people who have reached out over the last week. So it's been really, really, really exciting and definitely you know, just a great feeling as a coach, as a business entrepreneur, and as a human.
0: Yeah. And Sarah, when I when I listen to your elevated moment and I I have these discussions with you on the business side of things um, about, you know, how to continue to grow and scale and um, reach athletes that we want to help achieve big goals. And that was really the origin of this podcast. We want to put out quality information. We want to have important discussions and we want to be relatable because running is such a, a relatable sport for all the people involved. But when I hear you talking, you know, what I'm hearing is growing pains are real. Like when we are trying <laughs> oh my God, yes. to grow, whether it be a business, whether it be developing or running, um, you know, or developing in any other area of life, it's very uncomfortable at times. But that is a good type of discomfort. We need to seek that discomfort, um, and when we're in it, we just need to continue to take one step at a time, the same way that we do when we're trudging through the final miles of a marathon.
1: Oh yeah, because we go through that and we feel like the growing pains or the pains of the last 10 game of a marathon, or you know, maybe you're going through a different or a difficult season in life. But when you get through the other side, there's always, I shouldn't say always, typically a rainbow, sunshine, light at the end of the tunnel. You're a stronger human because of it. You're more efficient. You've learned lessons, all the things. I feel like as a business, I had growing pains probably seven months ago, right after Boston, I onboarded seven or eight athletes in a week. It was an incredible week um i feel like uh the elevate team is in that space again um but it's not just one week it's it's continuing week after week which is exciting and there's a lot um a lot happening a lot of new projects on the way to this summer which is exciting a lot of new partnerships and um it's going to be an incredible summer i just can't wait
0: yeah i mean we're embracing it because we love what we get to do. We get to help athletes perform. And at the same time, we get to build an uplifting and supportive community. And we've seen that evidenced um, in recent weekends at big marathons where we've had athletes qualify for Boston. We've seen that evidence just through social media and, you know, athletes connecting with both us as coaches and just as people. Um, it's a really fun thing. I think that this podcast has just been a great way to support that growth and to support that community. But as we get into our topic of the day, what we want to talk about is we enter the summer months and kind of shifting. It's hard for me to say this as I'm in race week right now, but kind of shifting out of that spring racing season and into the months of summer where maybe you don't have a race on the schedule right now, or maybe you're primary race is not until October or November. But an important point that we want to communicate today is that we need to start training now. We need to start shifting our focus towards the fall races and the fall goals that we have. The things that we want to accomplish before the end of 2022, we need to begin now.
1: Life is now. You guys have heard me say this, um, in most podcasts, if you're an athlete of mine, you've definitely heard me say this to you probably one-on-one life is now training is now let's jump in. Um, I think it's super, super important to be in the moment and also committing to the process. And I think Austin, it can feel like fall racing is a long ways away, right? Like, when you think of September, you know, we have some really great marathons in September, Berlin's in September, Chicago's in October, Indianapolis, which is a really exciting uh, race weekend, New York City's the same weekend. Those are all like, they just seem so far away, right? Um, But it's definitely a lot closer than you think.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're looking at the weeks until like Chicago, for example, Sarah, since that's your next marathon um you know when you're getting anywhere in that 20 week and then working down towards 16 week range out from the race that is go time like that's time to lock it in and really begin training because the more time that you have with focused structured training um the more results you're going to see over the course of that training cycle but also the the more confidence that you're going to have coming into your taper and into your race week. And that's really something that I'm feeling right now, um, building off of, you know, the training cycle that I had for my first marathon. And then when we started working together in February, just the confidence that has been built because I've been willing to commit to the process. That's something that I've really been trying to encourage to anyone that I've been talking to about running goals or, you know, what's going on in life. Like if we can take the small steps now, those small steps turn out to be really, really big steps when we get closer to our end goal.
1: Absolutely. It's the 1% rule, right? Taking Forward momentum today, whatever that is. It could be a small thing. It could be a big thing. um, It's going to set you up for success. So I did some quick math. Chicago is, so today is May 24th, also the same day that this episode is um, released. Chicago is 22 weeks away, a little bit under, right? Because we're a little bit into the week which means Berlin is 18 weeks away. I believe it's about four weeks. They're about four weeks apart. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I'm not totally sure. Um, and, you know, a typical marathon training cycle can be between 12 to 20 weeks. Um, it doesn't have to, you know, fall into that perfect, you know, four month or 20 week cycle. Um, I love taking athletes into an 18 week cycle. I think that gives enough time where if the athlete has a niggle needs to rest, life happens. We have some time to kind of adjust. Um, you know, anytime an athlete only has 12 weeks, it feels like, all right, we got to have a quote unquote, perfect training cycle. If anything were to pop up, you're just not going to get the most, um, out of that training cycle. Sometimes training, uh, less is more in that sort of philosophy works. And sometimes it doesn't, it depends on what your base building has been and how many marathons you've run and what you were doing before marathon training started all of those things. But, you know, sometimes we fall into that trap of thinking we get to start when conditions are perfect, you know, progress is achieved definitely in imperfect conditions. And this is a great reminder for me too. Like a lot of times with elevate projects. I don't want to put it out there until it's perfect. You know, I get to lean on getting it out there when it's 80% ready to go versus 100% ready to go. Um, And it's still going to make a big impact. So starting today is so powerful. Life is now. Why not hit the reset button and just start fresh today?
0: Yeah, I, you know, I think so many of us get hung up on the fact that We aren't ready to commit to something that seems so big. Um, Because when we set these goals 16 or more weeks out, um, you know, we understand that we have time, but we also understand that a lot of things can happen over the course of four months. But we have to be willing to just begin and whatever that looks like. And that's going to be dependent on where you're at in your athletic journey. Are you training for your first marathon or your fifth marathon? And depending on that, or depending on the way your training's gone over the past six to 12 months, that's going to determine what it looks like for you to start. So if you're training for your first marathon and you've got anywhere from 16 to 20 weeks until that race, maybe starting for you simply looks like getting out the door and ingraining that as a habit within your lifestyle Mm -hmm. and getting a few miles on your feet, you know, five to six, four to six days a week. That could be what starting looks like for you. If you're someone who is training for another marathon because you've already run numerous marathons or you're training for a big PR and that's your goal, maybe starting for you looks like picking up um, at a base amount of mileage. And we're going to talk a little bit about base building and what a base is for us as runners and then beginning to weave in workouts within those Mm -hmm. weeks and having a structure. And, you know, that's something that we certainly look at as coaches, like when we're looking at, okay, how many weeks until a marathon, what we're really looking like looking at is how many weeks can we have at, you know, a certain amount of mileage, certain amount of training intensity, and then where are we going to deload, And then where are we going to pick it back up again? So, you know, all of that structure is built out over time. And if you're working with a coach, a lot of that structure is built out um, pretty early on in the training cycle. But when we're willing to start, that at least gets our feet moving forward. And then the adaptations occur as you continue to be consistent
1: absolutely consistency is key right it's probably the number one quote unquote rule of training if you can be consistent you are going to be successful with whatever success looks like for you like that looks different for all of us some of us love time goals some of us love um you know just completing something feeling healthy and strong and um happy like that's a great goal too um I think it's really important to note, like even getting out the door three days a week for 30 minutes, you can build on that. You can then bump that up to four days. You could start at four days at a certain number of minutes or miles and build from it in a way that is safe and healthy. I love, you know, when athletes come in to to work with me um, or to work with us and let's say they're running Berlin and Austin, we need to figure out when Berlin is. (laughs) I think it's the third week in September, but I don't actually know. So I'm going to look this up as I talk. Um, We work backwards, right? So it's looking at when the, yes. All right. The 25th of, so Sunday, September 25th. So it's two weeks before Chicago. Um, So it's about 20 weeks away. You have a 20 week training cycle now, depending on where you've been in the process. Like if this is your first marathon, like maybe we take the first four weeks to do some base building. Break in the uh, the marathon training cycle, right? So showing up, being consistent, getting the process dialed, figuring out how to make it work into your lifestyle. Um, life doesn't get to fit into training. Training gets to fit into life. That's one of the my philosophies as a coach. Um, so figuring out that process before we start adding in intensity or added miles or added you know, workouts that are just a little bit tougher, where you need to be a little bit more in your A game versus base building, which is more just easy running, maybe throwing some strides. Let's get that consistency dialed in. Um, so you work backwards. And from there, you figure out, you know, if you're starting with a coach or starting a program um, or coaching yourself, whatever that looks like, what if you're six months out? Okay, well, then you get two to two and a half months of possibly doing some base work before getting into the marathon training cycle. So don't think that when you start working with a coach or you start training or you start running consistently, that you need to start the training for that specific race. I think a lot of beautiful things can be created during that base building phase. It's kind of the foundation phase, right? And don't we all need great foundations for everything in life, whether that's training our relationships, our business, if you don't have a good foundation, um, you're going to crumble at some point. Um, But if you have a really solid foundation built, your chances of success um, are a lot higher.
0: Yeah. And I, I really love the metaphor of, of building a foundation and then building a mansion on top of that foundation. Um, And that's done over a very, you know, extended period of time. And I think he did a really good job of establishing that framework. But when we're building this foundation, really what we're doing, what we're doing is we're establishing balance within our training and within our life, we are setting, and this is what I would recommend to people who are considering a goal in the future, set three to five processed goals. What are things that you need to do on a consistent basis that will allow you to make running a part of your lifestyle? Mm -hmm. And once you have those process goals, have a period of time. And I think Sarah, you know, that four to six week range that you were kind of discussing is a great period of time for us to um, try to implement some of these practices. During that period of time, Just focus on achieving those process goals. And that can be as simple as running X amount of days for, you know, 30 to 45 minutes in the morning. Not only are you building a level of fitness through that practice, but you're also building this practice into your lifestyle. Because when we're training for a race and we get closer and closer to the goal date, imbalance the opposite of balance begins to creep in and the training begins to feel like it is larger than life. Even though it's not, Mm -hmm. we certainly get into that mindset of, okay, I'm fitting my life into my training, but we can avoid and we can mitigate some of that negative uh, feeling if we have it already structured into our lives. And it's something that we just do. And that's really what I found over the past few months is that, you know, there's not really a doubt what the first two and a half hours to three hours of my morning looks like. Now, what time am I going to wake up is completely dependent on when I really have my first event for the day. But basically, you know, if I have a training run on my schedule, I allocate that time to the run and then life takes place after that. Um, but that was only achieved because of days and days of just focusing on those process goals and what needed to be done each day to make running a part of my lifestyle. And I think that that did help me when things got pretty imbalanced with our marathon training. Um, and you know, the training got got hard, and um, the mileage ticked up. It was always yeah. just what I did. It just kind of became a part of the identity of my life. Um, and that's something that I've really, you know, come to appreciate and love. And I hope that, you know, for our athletes, that's something that they love about their identity as well. Like we are runners and we run and we work hard, but we also have a balanced life outside of that training.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's super important to know, like whether you're a morning runner or an evening runner, whatever, maybe a lunchtime run, whatever that looks like for you. Like we all have different things in life that are pulling at us at all times. We might have a family, we might have pets, we might have a demanding job. So setting yourself up for success by taking account into everything that you have going on and finding the right time. Let's say you have a 45 minute minute run on the schedule it's always my intent when I have a 45 minute run on my schedule to actually buffer in 60 to 70 minutes. Why? Because there's downtime after the run, right? Um, I'm a morning runner. Love it. There's, you know, making coffee, making breakfast. If you follow me on Instagram, you know, I'm like sharing my Garmin selfie. And there's usually like, you know, some pace that I'm disclosing and maybe a lesson learned on that run or whatever. And believe it or not, that stuff actually takes time. (laughs) So, and, you know, maybe I'm stretching at the same time or foam rolling at the same time. So it's like budgeting in some extra time outside of that run. And that's why I really love prescribing time as a coach for most of the runs, because it gives the the athlete, a chance to figure out how much time they actually need to set aside in their day to get this in versus if I prescribe a five mile run and time is tight, like it was for me this morning, as Austin knows, um, I had time-based, which was great. If I had mileage-based, I know exactly what would have happened. It was supposed to be an easy effort with strides in the second half. I probably would have gone out way too fast and too hard to get that five miles done ASAP because I was running late (laughs) Um, and I think it's really important to lean into the time-based strategy and setting yourself up for success with budgeting enough time for you and yourself but it is getting out the door making the consistency and the commitment to yourself but other progress goals could look like you know in the summer months carrying a, um, a handheld water bottle with you. And then maybe on long runs, it's carrying or strapping on a hydration vest. I had two athletes this week say to me that they have never carried water on a run. And I literally screamed inside of my head when I heard that. (laughs) So if two people said that, that means there are so many more people who also don't carry water while running. And I think, um, I'm going to stand on my soapbox for 30 seconds here, but I think like, you know, in the summer, it's really important to stay hydrated. And I think carrying a handheld, if you're going out for 45 minutes or longer is super important. If you are going to the track for a workout, 110% bring maybe a gel, an extra gel, some water. If you're going out for a long run, hydration best. Austin and I did a presentation called the Summer Runner last week. Um, If you would like to listen to that on all the ways to set yourself up for success on summer running, let us know. We can send it to you. But progress goals can look like proper hydration maybe it's carrying a handheld on your run. Maybe it's adding some extra electrolytes to your, um, to your diet into your day. Um, It could look like making sleep a priority or cutting back on alcohol. I know that is so tough. Something I love to do is, and some of you guys know, this is when I'm cutting back on alcohol and I don't drink a lot just in my normal life. Um, But if I am feeling like I wanna do something like that, I love putting sparkling water in, so like some Pellegrino in a wine glass and then adding a really fun, delicious noon tablet. And it looks really fun. It kind of feels like I'm drinking a cocktail. It's like, you know, the mocktail, the happy hour mocktail. And I definitely do that a bunch during taper, Um, but it's also fun to do in the training cycle when, you know, I'm just focused more on me and my health. So those are some ideas. So sleep, um, hydration, the consistency, the schedule, um, it could be mental strength. That's a super big piece to a lot of runners too. So if you have any questions, feel free feel free to reach out on that. But um, those are just some ideas on progress girls that you get to set yourself up for um, at the start of training.
0: And that that summer runner webinar that we put on uh, about a week ago now was linked in the previous episode show notes. It will also be linked in this episode's show notes. So if you're interested in that, just a short presentation to help you be prepared for the summer months worth of training. Because these are crucial weeks that we have in the summer, Um, especially if you're in a warmer weather climate, like you get to get out the door and embrace the fact that your body is going to be stressed a little bit more than it will be in the fall months. But guess Mm -hmm. what? That is a great thing because if you are racing in the fall months, the fact that you put your body through certain levels of stress with heat and humidity in um, some of your base building phases that allows you to show up stronger and more resilient on race day. It's a similar situation if you train at altitude, like Sarah, you are in Colorado, where I was for the first three quarters of this training cycle. Um, yeah. You know, When we come down to basically sea level, a couple thousand feet um, for our race, our body is no longer stressed in the same way that it was in most of our training. And that is a great thing and something that we can embrace during these summer months. So if you are not at altitude, like I am no longer at, we can embrace humidity. We can embrace heat training and Mm -hmm. use that to our advantage when we get into the fall months. And one thing that I would also mention is that, you know, these adaptations take place over time. And they're not just physical, like these are mental adaptations that we are trying to ingrain into our lifestyle. And Sarah, as you were talking, I was thinking about um, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. And one of his rules for building a habit is to make it attractive. And that's kind of what you were talking about with your noon tablet and your sparkling (laughs) water. Like you're appealing to your senses and you're appealing to something that you enjoy but you're also getting something out of it. You're getting electrolytes. You are potentially, you know, um, just kind of relaxing in that moment and sipping on your your noon sparkling water. We can make these things attractive. When people see that we're training for a marathon, I think the, the gut reaction for many people, especially outside of the running space, is like, oh my gosh, how do you do that? Why do you do that to yourself? But really- the majority of the time that we're getting out the door to train, we want to be set up for success to the point that it's really not that hard. And when we have a workout that gets hard, we mm-hmm. want to be set up for success to the point that we're in a great position. We have the leverage over that workout to where we can perform and push through those hard moments. But we don't want to come into these workouts underslept, undernourished, underhydrated. Um, we want to stack as many things as we can in our favor. And when we're able to do that, not only do we associate more positive emotions with the practice of getting up and getting our run done, getting our training done, but we also then allow our bodies to adapt over time with the consistency that we're putting in. And when we're able to do that over the period of weeks and months, We can see really amazing results when we reach our end goal.
1: Absolutely. It's all about setting like some micro goals, right? Like small, small goals as we work towards racing a marathon or running a marathon, completing a marathon, whatever that looks like for you. Um, It's super important to just stay in the mile that you're in, right? And take it workout by workout. Day by day, week by week, I think, yeah, it can get super overwhelming to think, oh my gosh, I'm running 26.2 plus, depending on how you run the tangents on race day, if you've never done it before. Um, But when you take it into smaller chunks and kind of break it down and put yourself in, like, okay, this is my goal for this week, or these are my progress goals for this week. um, And you also get to make it fun. So, Something else I love to do outside of just, you know, bougie, like noon fun at happy hour is like, you know, I'll, um, I'll definitely in the summer for sure tell myself, okay, if you can get through this hard workout and like nail it, um, or a long run, like, you know, permission to go out for like iced coffee and pick up iced coffee versus making coffee at home because for me, that fills my cup. I love coffee. There's something very relaxing about buying coffee at a coffee shop. I don't know why, but that just appeals to (laughs) me. So like find what that is for you and make it fun. And like, maybe it's getting a really fun handheld or a hydration vest. Like, um, Lululemon came out with an awesome hydration vest. Um, I actually have one that I get to test and sample out. So I'll be talking about that a little bit more here in the next few weeks when it's warm enough to actually, um, run with the hydration vest. And if you're in Colorado, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, we had snow last week and it's still really cold and raining and all the things, but, um, But, you know, find the things that fill your cup that make it fun. Maybe it is having an actual like drink after a hard workout or after a a long run, Um, whatever that is for you, make it fun. You get to work hard. You get to have big goals. You get to dream big and you also get to have fun in the process.
0: And, you know, something that I like to apply, especially in my headspace during some of these training runs um, and recently I've really thought about this in adapting to the heat and humidity is that when you're starting to feel uncomfortable and you're starting to sweat pretty heavily because of the conditions that you're in, or maybe you're pushing through hard intervals of a workout, understand that that work is paying off and it yeah. will like hard work works. So you know, sit in that moment, because for the, the great majority of us, and this is really the way that it should be because of the importance of having balance with life outside of running and the ability to recover. Running takes up a very small fraction of our daily and weekly lives. But in the moment when it's uncomfortable, and you know, the discomfort settling into both your body and your mind, it can become magnified and it can feel like you are never going to get through this run. But if you just tell yourself, number one, you will get through the run, but number two, the work that you're doing today will pay off moving forward. That really helps me to get through some of those um, harder, more, you know, challenging days.
1: Absolutely. I have a really fun story or I think it's fun. Um, I was in Michigan a few weeks ago and um, race to 5k. It was a lot of fun. The weather was great on race morning. Um, it was like mid forties, just great. Um, and I was in Michigan for almost a full week. And by the end of the week, um, or the end of my time there, it, the, the weather changed drastically. It was about, you know, the lows were in the, like the low seventies. It was humid AF, like (laughs) coming from Colorado, I was like, yikes. I can't believe I lived here for so long. Um, But anyways, I was really excited before going to Michigan. I had a Wednesday workout. I was leaving to come back to Boulder late Wednesday. So I knew I got to do this workout at lower elevation. I was so excited. Well, until I woke up on Wednesday morning and it was about 74 degrees, 80% humidity. And I was like, why? I don't want to do this. Um, but, you know, like I said on social media, which a lot of people are gravitating towards, um, Grandma's is not running itself, right? I'm set to run uh, the Grandma's Half Marathon in Duluth, Minnesota on June 18th. That work on that day is not doing itself, right? Like I need to show up to trading, um, whether it's pouring rain, like it was on my run last Friday um, in Boulder. Or it's super humid and hot in Michigan. Um, so anyways, workout, I had three, two, one minutes hard and then a 15 minute tempo. And I just broke it up into micro segments. I thought you can't look at this whole workout. You were sweating like crazy during just the warm-up piece to this. Like this is going to be a gnarly, just Hour, let's say. So just break it into micro. So I just broke it into like, just get through the first three minutes, get through the first, you know, two minutes, the one minute effort, take your cool down before getting into or recovery before getting into your 15 minute tempo and just take the tempo. Like I was listening to music at the time, so I broke it down into like four, four minute chunks, you know, like one song, right? And just get through one song and get through one song. Well, Like halfway through the tempo, I needed to turn around to get back to my starting point. And I was running into the wind, which was actually challenging. But what I found out very quickly in a human setting is you actually need the wind in your face. Because when I turned around and the wind was to my back, I literally couldn't breathe. And it was the hardest seven and a half minutes probably of my entire running career. Like I had to push through the fact that I wanted to hit stop on my watch every second of those seven and a half minutes. Like I was dying and it was so hard. And yet I thought back to grandmas and that it's not going to run itself. I thought back to like, quitting isn't going to do anything. Yes, this feels hard, but let's shift it to intense. And also all the things that we talk about on the podcast and all the things that we've talked about how to set yourself up for success and not quit when things feel uncomfortable and kind of leaning into it. And that's what got me through the last seven and a half minutes. Um, I had a really funny, I put a really, I thought it was a funny Instagram story up of just my splits and how like I was you know, ran too fast. And then I was super dialed. Things started to feel good. in the tempo things started to fall apart. And then the wheels totally fell off (laughs) for the last like minute of the tempo effort, but I still got it done. And I think, you know, it's important to put your mind into that place of, if it's really tough, you get to set the micro goals. Maybe it's just one step, one breath. Maybe it's a song, maybe it's a three or four minute segment or a whole 15 minute segment, whatever that looks like for you, but also knowing like you can do hard things. Um, And it feels really good when you do kind of push through that uncomfortable piece and get the work in, because I am a much stronger runner because of it. And grandmas might be humid, So I need to get okay (laughs) running in humid, in humid weather.
0: Yeah, there's a saying that goes, nobody can do your push-ups for you. Nobody yeah. can run your miles for you. Nobody can get out the door for you. And that's something yeah. that we get to embrace. And it's extremely empowering um, when you realize that nobody can do it for me. And I'm going to do it for myself. And ultimately, yeah. that's what we're doing. Um, if we commit to these goals, we are proving to ourselves through our daily actions, that we can do this. And over time, that confidence just builds to such an amazing level that it's about more than running. And it easily bleeds into other areas of our lives. And something that I always tell myself, I guess you could call it a mantra. Um, It comes up in my head a lot as I'm beginning a training run or maybe just finishing a hard training run. And it's that this is what I do. And it just becomes a part of your identity. And I think when we can build layers to our identity, um, that is a really powerful thing because now when things get hard outside of running, what do I say? I say, this is what I do. I push through hard things. And these are lessons and these are agreements that we make with ourselves. Um, And I love to see when that confidence is built for athletes. Because you can really see it happen. And Sarah, I know you know this is true. You see that confidence being built, not just through the results of the workouts, but also just the conversations that you're having with these athletes. It's like, okay, they're locked in now. And that is all built through time and consistent action and showing up for yourself above all else. And I do find it interesting, Sarah, and this is another relatable point that I find, is that you tell that story in such vivid detail. And I could tell I you- I still
1: feel it, Austin, I yeah, could still feel it.
0: Because it appealed to all of your senses in potentially the worst yeah. way. But yeah. I could tell you stories about some of the harder workouts that I've had over the recent few months in very vivid detail. But we don't have that detail from the easy runs. As much. We don't have Mm -hmm. that detail from the days where things came easily to us. That detail can only come from the days where we really had to dig deep and push through and go to not only deeper levels of our physical abilities, but also our mental abilities. And when we activate those senses and when we find that different level that maybe we didn't know we had coming into that training session, that is what you dig into when you are in the middle of a race and you are aiming for a result that you've been working for for months. And that is what I've found myself looking forward to more than anything over these past few weeks Mm -hmm. is that when I go out there and race on Sunday, obviously I hope I cruise through the first 10 miles, 13 miles, 18 miles. But when it inevitably sets in that it's starting to get hard, I so greatly look forward to being able to go into that other level and just digging into you know that confidence that has been built because I've pushed through the hard things to this point so why can't I do it again why can't I show up for myself on that day
1: Absolutely and there's so many wins in your favor too on race day right like when you're in training and you crush really tough workout, that's a huge, huge, huge win because you're essentially running on tired legs, tired body, maybe a tired mind. When you're heading into a race, you should feel fresh. You should feel ready. You should feel excited. If you don't feel that way, there's something going on in your training that needs to get looked at at a deeper level to figure out why you're feeling that way and maybe pull the reins back or adjust or pivot something. Um, But there's so many great things, you know, when you're in taper, you get to look back on all your training, find those workouts that really are set apart where you feel like maybe you became a stronger runner because of it, because it was a really tough workout but you still executed it you still pushed through you didn't hit stop on your watch which is like don't hit stop on your watch um that is like the i think it's a very slippery slope once you do that once it's very very easy to continue to fall into that trap um and all of those runs are going to set you up to run a stronger race no doubt now when grandma's gets tough which i'm hoping it's in the last half mile of the half marathon <laughs> i'm being optimistic here um you know i'm going to lean into definitely that run in michigan for sure that was by far one of the toughest things i've ever done and um and i would definitely choose altitude over humidity any day that was that was gnarly
0: <laughs> yeah it's funny i've actually had that discussion um a little bit since moving back to Kentucky. Yeah. You know, altitude is a sneaky thing. Like you don't notice it as much, you see it in your results and your ability to hit splits, but humidity yeah. and heat, you feel that fully. Mm-hmm. Um you can't hide from that. So yeah. that's that's definitely something to take into consideration.
1: Absolutely and you know, for anyone who ran Chicago 2021, I feel, yeah, because I think I had, it was about roughly the same temperature, the same humidity, dew point, all that stuff, and I just thought, how in the heck did anyone finish that race? Like, it was so hard to just finish. Now, granted, I was running tempo, could argue, I guess it was a little bit faster than marathon pace, but still, like, you know, easy running was just a slog, even, you know, in my cool down. So for anyone who ran that race, whether you ran it and decided to call it, which I totally can relate to now or (laughs) finished it, like kudos to you for even starting that race. Tough, tough day, tough day for sure.
0: Yeah. So we're sitting here at the beginning of the summer months uh, near the end of May And, you know, the thing that I've been encouraging people to do is just commit, like sign up, sign up for your first race, sign up for another marathon, commit to working towards a PR, because now is the time, now is the best time to commit to something that seems audacious and seems big and is hopefully scary, because when we can commit to that now, Not only are we showing ourselves that, you know what, I can do hard things, let's get after it, but we're also setting ourselves up for success because we're giving ourselves time to build a base. And when Mm -hmm. we build that base over the course of weeks and months leading into that race, and then we begin to really get into structured workouts and we're beginning to build out, like I said earlier, that mansion on top of that base that is where the greatest results come from. And that is what I'm encouraging so many athletes to do right now as we head into these summer months of training.
1: Yeah, I love that, Austin. I mean, base building is so important. Um, What is base building? Well, base building can be looked at in a few different ways. If you have, let's say you just ran a marathon, like, I ran Mesa, the Mesa Marathon in February. Well, then I took some time off before getting into training for grandmas. And when I say time off, I just took time off from workouts. I was still running, I was doing some base building. So, what we did was we pulled back on mileage. Um, so, it's, you know, maybe if you're at your peak in marathon training and let's say you hit 50 miles you're not going back into running 50 miles a week after your marathon. You're pulling it back quite a bit, getting back to just easy running, aerobic running, maybe adding in a few strides here and there. but just getting into that consistency, letting your body heal and recover in a really um, in a really great way where you're setting yourself up for success. So when you do get back into training, you're still feeling fit and you're feeling ready and you're feeling sharp. Um, the last thing you want to do is feel flat. So it's reducing the mileage, but it's keeping the consistency. Maybe you pull back the number of days too, um, but it's really important to continue running um, in a way that is still setting you up for recovery, but also getting the consistency in. Um, And then if you're not, let's say you're a new runner and you're getting into, oh, I'm running Chicago. It's 22 weeks away. Oh my gosh, training starts today. And it's not marathon training, it's base building. So it's going to be like we we talked about at the beginning of the episode, maybe you're getting out the door for three or four days a week, 30 to 45 minutes. Maybe you're adding in and sprinkling in a few strides. Um, maybe you're, um, reaching five days a week or extending that long run just working solely on aerobic building, you're running in the easy zone that's going to be roughly about 145 beats per minute on your heart rate or lower. So whatever you need to do to get your heart rate that at that level or lower is what you get to do um, you know we all show up a little bit differently with heart rates and stress is going to increase your heart rate heat is going to increase your heart rate being dehydrated or dehydration is going to increase your heart rate. So you really get to dial that in, um, which is one of the great things about working with a coach that we get to work together on all those things. So you feel like you're informed, you're an educated runner, and you also get to go out there and be consistent and do the right things for you. Um, So base building can be anywhere from four to six weeks long. It can be six months long. Like I've had athletes where we've had some base building, we got into some training and it just wasn't flowing. So we went back to base building and that's okay too. I think it's the foundation, right? We need to build a strong foundation and every foundation is gonna take a different amount of time. Some foundations can be built very quickly and yet be very sturdy and firm. And there's gonna be other foundations that are just going to take longer, but also will be firm and hardy and strong. And it doesn't make either foundation different or worth different um, or the worth being different. They are the same. It might just be that it takes one a little bit longer than the other. So it's very, very important to get into that base building Find your consistency, find your groove, get your aerobic base down. Um, Learning to love the easy runs or the base building process. I think that's crucial um, because in our training, we do a lot of easy running or a lot of just yeah, base building, right? Easy running, recovery running. And you need, athletes need to love that process because there's so much of it. If you're not loving the easy runs where you get to just slow your roll, turn your mind off, maybe it's dialing into your form or your breathing, but also it can be, for me, it's turning my mind off on all the things I have going on and leaning into the creative side of, you know. sometimes I'm thinking about like the songs or people in my life or like the beautiful running views I have. But sometimes, a lot of times it's leaning into like, Um, my Instagram schedule, which is so stupid, but like thinking of posts and messaging and things I want to communicate because while I'm running, I'm feeling it and feeling all the vibes. And that usually produces a lot of like fun things that I get to share on Instagram. So um, for me, that's what I do, but finding what works for you and spending that time on you and yourself is, is huge. Um, So let's say you get into four to six weeks of base building, then you get to build into marathon training. So that might be, you know, work doing a workout Wednesday and building into your workouts. Now, Austin mentioned how at some point the balance between life and training might get a little lopsided, I would say when you're in the last, maybe one and a half to two blocks of the marathon training cycle, which is about six to eight weeks before the marathon, it's going to feel a little lopsided. Your workouts are going to be long. Um, that's just how it is. But only, you know, knowing that it's only going to be for a few weeks at a time, I think is the light at the end of the tunnel there. And um, those are usually really fun workouts and they go by foot faster than you think. Um, but it's also important to kind of build into the marathon training and know that you're not just going to hit the ground running, so to speak, like you are going to build into it. So if it feels like it's, um, maybe a little bit overwhelming to think about it's okay. We get to chunk it down into micro segments and do what we can do to set, each of you up for success, right? Like you get to lean into what's going to be successful for you and how that looks like for you. Um, what that looks like and all of those things, everyone is different. Every runner is different. Every human is different. And like Austin said, like, you know, training starts now life starts now. Like let's start living, not just by you know, having this amazing training cycle leading up to towing the line at Berlin, towing the line at Chicago or New York, feeling strong, confident, ready to just run so strong and happy and healthy, which are always the foundational goals for any athlete that I coach Austin, you as well. Like those are the foundational pieces that we want every single athlete to feel on race day. But like, Let's lean into what else is setting us on fire for life. What are those things that are getting you excited to wake up every day and get out the door to either run or meetings or, um, family life, whatever that is lean into those things, because the more of those things you have going on in your life, the more excited you're going to be, the more, um, the more energy you're going to have. I mean, hello, <laughs> if you know me in real life, you know, I have an incredible amount of energy and I'm not just saying that, like people tell me that all the time. I mean, most days I feel kind of tired, but, um, but like leaning into the things that make you happy and joyful and, you know, beautiful, beautiful things will be created from that, not just in training, but in your life. And, that just feels really good too. When you actually feel like you're living, I cannot say that I actually felt like I was living for the first 36, 37 years of my life. I would say over the last two years, 18 months, especially has been like, exactly what I knew life should feel like and what it should be, but I didn't know how to get it. And I didn't know where to go and how to do it. And, um, and it just feels really good right now. So, um, getting a little bit off tangent right now, but, um, but those are all ways that you can optimize your base building, getting that consistency down, leading you up to start training for a marathon and, you know, showing up strong this fall.
0: You know, Sarah, I'm glad you went off on your tangent there because (laughs) I enjoyed it. But also, you know, I think it really speaks to an underlying message of this podcast, not only the importance physically of giving yourself time to train, but I think for any runner who has signed up for a race and committed to months of training for that race, they've understood, they've learned the lesson that when we sign up for these races, we're not signing up for race day. We're signing up. For the weeks and months that precede race day. Yeah. And that is really why we continue to do this because we realize that when we commit and when we go all in and when we take a chance and we, when we embrace discomfort, that's when we feel the most alive. So if anyone were to ask me, why do you continue to sign up for races? Why do you continue to try to do bigger and better things to run faster? My answer would be simple because it makes me feel the most alive when I am deep in that process, because I think what it does for us is it allows us to embrace the importance of every single day, every day leading into a goal is crucial. And that can look a lot of different ways. Maybe you have a really big workout that day and you have to embrace the discomfort of that workout and the outcome that you hope to get from it, or Maybe it's a recovery day. Guess what? You need to embrace the fact that that's a recovery day because Mm -hmm. that day is just as important as your long run day. And these things just continue to feed off of each other. And when we embrace that process, when we view every single day as so crucial to what we want to become in our lives, that's where we really feel like we're living. And that is where the passion for me comes from in this sport.
1: Absolutely. I love that, Austin. I mean, I get that question a lot too. And I always think to myself, I don't usually answer it this way because it's a little sharp or I think it can come across sharp, but I think to myself, why not? Why wouldn't you want to keep testing yourself, testing your boundaries, pushing the limits, seeing what you're capable of. At the end of the day, when this is all over, don't you want to know your potential as a human and as an athlete and as a friend and as a partner and as, you know, just a human in this community, I think that's so powerful. And for me, it's very rewarding to think about all the things I can achieve in life. And like you said, it's like, you may want the mansion, you may want, you know, the sub three or the BQ or the OTQ or whatever that looks like for you. Maybe it's establishing, you know, a really successful business or having, you know, a really big family or a loving family. But if those are your goals and that's what you're committed to, you are also committed to what it takes to get that. And it can be really hard. It can be really tough. But I think what we've all learned is that anytime we go through a season in life, a workout a week, a time period where that is really tough and hard, like we usually come out the other side feeling a lot stronger because of it. And we see um, the benefits of it. So it all kind of goes hand in hand.
0: I have a saying on a sticky note in front of me right now. Uh, it <laughs> says resistance reveals resilience. If we want to be resilient people, and I think that yeah. that's something we can all agree um, is an amazing quality of you know, our human nature is that we can be resilient through hard times. We have to be willing to embrace that resistance. We have to welcome it and we have to search for it. Um, And that is in a very small way, what we do as runners, we sign up for races. We aim for goals that are undoubtedly going to provide us with periods of resilience. And when we do that, that allows us to embrace the resistance that we find in our business life and our family life. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, what we're looking for, we're searching for it, but the only way that we can find that, that realization is by starting. And that's Mm -hmm. really what we wanted to hit at in this podcast is if you've been thinking about it, or if you've been wondering what you should, um, commit to just start, commit to something, identify a date that you want to work towards. And once you commit to that and you start taking those small steps, you know, those process goals, Sarah, I think you did a really good job of outlining, you know, what it looks like to build a base. What are some of those process goals? We could look at weekly mileage. We can simply look at the amount of days per week that we're getting out the door. I think a crucial one that we would both agree on from the coaching perspective and from our ability to adapt to training is. Um, keeping that heart rate in a specific range for some of those easy runs. But when we commit to those process goals, you will find a lot of discovery and clarity through those moments and through that commitment that you're you're taking And you know I think it's funny that when we talk about those easy runs and the base building and really coming to love that, um, Sarah, you and I have had this discussion that, you know, I'll take 60 easy on a Monday, any day of the week. Like we love those Monday morning, or even if you're an afternoon or an evening runner, those Monday 60 minute easy runs, because that's just where we Mm -hmm. find our flow. And that really sets the tone for the rest of the week. And that's what I want, you know, athletes to do is I want them to set the tone every single day for all that follows in their lives.
1: Absolutely. So powerful. I mean, give me seven easy miles on a Monday every single week. I really hope my coach is listening to this (laughs) (laughs) or more. Um, it's, it's just so fun, but you've definitely, uh, you know, made a great point, Austin. It's like finding your flow, find your flow. So if you're listening to this, like every flow is going to be different, find what works for you, Write down things that you can do to set yourself up for success. Write out process goals. Write out the number of days you want and can run. Write out how much time you can commit and just take that step forward. What you're going to find is once you are hitting those goals and making that commitment and showing up for yourself, it's going to be a lot easier to expand it which then in turn could turn into, you know, marathon training or half marathon training or um, whatever that is for you. Um, It could be a trail race. It could be something this fall. It could be something next winter, Um, but start today. Life is now. Um, The greatest asset we have on this earth is time. I would say relationships probably follow that, but time is our greatest asset. We either use it in the best way that we can, or we lose it. And the older we get, I think we can all align with this. The faster it feels like time goes by, and um, and let's use it to the best that we can use it to really find our true potential and um, live a great life.
0: Yeah, well, this has been fun. I, I think that we you know, potentially went deeper than we were planning to on this topic, especially in the mental side of things. <laughs> but, you know, we could go back 19 episodes and say that when we started this podcast, that, that was our goal. Yeah. We wanted to have discussions that were bigger than running, bigger than the physiological benefits of training. Um, yeah. And I think that's what we had here today. So I hope that our audience enjoyed it. Um, I hope that you have gained some perspective on, on what this is that we do as runners um, and really come to appreciate how much it enhances our lives. So, if you did enjoy this episode, we would appreciate it if you um, subscribe and leave a review through whatever platform you're listening to the podcast. And you can also connect with us on social media. You can find me on Instagram at AustinMyers12 and Sarah.
1: Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Elevate Your Running, and you can find my personal page on Instagram and Twitter at Sayra, S-A-Y-R-A-H, Runs Happy. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. I hope you loved it, and uh, have a great week.